0: Raging wildfires killed 88 residents and destroyed tens of thousands of homes in the cities of Malibu and Paradise, two very different California communities. In her new Verite documentary, two-time Oscar-nominated filmmaker Lucy Walker captures the heroism and the horror of the unfathomable disaster. Her character-driven expose, Bring Your Own Brigade, also answers a question humanity can no longer afford to ignore. Why are, why are catastrophic wildfires increasing in numbers in the severity around the world. With that, I want to introduce to the show the producer as well as the director of this incredible documentary film called Bring Your Own Brigade. And that would be Lucy Walker. Lucy, welcome back to Film School Radio. Thank you. Where did this come from? Did you watch the paradise fire unfold? How did you sort of jump? Because it feels like you jumped right into this.
1: Mm, well, the secret trick um, was actually that I started working on this film a year previously. Um, I've been just stating it for a while thinking like, why is no one making a film about these California wildfires? I looked up and the hills were on fire, the smoke was in the air, the cars and the ash and the yards were covered in ash. And I thought, what is going on? This is seems like, you know, hell times. And um, this was even a few years ago, you know, before we had the incredibly dramatic red skies all the way up and down the West coast last September. But even a few years before that, when I moved to California, I thought, what is going on? I thought fire was a problem that we'd solved in medieval times. I'm from London. The last big fire we had there was in 1666, the Great Fire of London. We've solved this stuff. I was living in New York City for film school. And I thought, my gosh, you you know, once in a while a building goes up, but the fire fighters come along and they're incredible and they put it out, right? What is going on with these wildland fires? And I, were sort of fascinated as they got worse and worse and we were getting these record breaking fires. And so when a fire came along, the Thomas fire in 2017, 2018, that was the biggest ever fire in California history. I thought, well, I'll look at that one. I'll have that be a nice contained subject. So just one fire and there were some very dramatic stories in that one, one incident. And I thought, well, let's look at the residents and the first responders and some of the really dramatic stories. And through that sort of, um, through those individual stories i want gonna tell the big picture of a fire and what's going on that seems so dramatic and i I had begun that and as soon as i had kind of got going working on that and met some firefighters and gotten the hang of embedding with them and riding along and gathering some stories there was an even bigger fire that summer the mendocino complex fire and i thought oh my goodness i can't make a film about the biggest fire ever in california history when it already got eclipsed three months later is now the second biggest fire in california history. What is going on? Why do we have keep having these big fires? And really what the film needs to be is to get to the bottom of all this big picture and not just in California. You know, we've seen fires around the world. They're burning up in Australia, even in Siberia or West Africa or the Amazon, you know, Asia, cold places, temperate places, even like the UK, we have we're used to having terrible fires in Spain, Greece, Portugal, Southern Europe, but in Northern Europe, even we were having terrible fires. And you think, gosh, what is going on? It's a global crisis, and let's get to the bottom of it. And that was why when um, the campfire in in Paradise, California, Northern California, and the Woolsey Fire in Malibu, Southern California came along, I already had the expertise and the familiarity and the contacts and the confidence to just hop in and follow that story as it unfolded and really be in the incidents and also be gathering material from the incidents and know what i was looking at and be able to really seize um the you know moments uh, as they unfolded and to get this um big picture i felt of these two incidents that were driven by the same wind event but happened in sort of very opposite places economically politically landscape wise and, and a different. Um, ends north and south of California in different landscapes. So it was quite great to have that case study of the two different fires and the two di- very different political and economic and and um, uh, landscape communities to sort of really get, get a big handle on the bigger picture.
0: The footage that you have from both fires is so compelling, but also the stories, particularly the people of paradise. The, the first part of the film is more or less devoted to to what happened in paradise, absolutely mind-bogglingly frightening and scary and compelling just to see it. And I think the value of that is that for people who, for living on another planet, deny reality, whatever, who seem to think that, well, they could get out from under this, that this is something that is, even if it happens, it's something that we could deal with. You see the footage from paradise and you realize these things are creating their own weather system. These things are doing things that are unfathomable in terms of our ability to deal with them. And I think it shakes us out of this idea that this is something we can ignore.
1: Exactly right. Exactly right. These things are monsters. And The image that kept coming to me was of hell. You know that this, you know, we're in this burning fire pit, and it's so much bigger than us. And that's in the Christian imagination what we came up with for hell, which is the kind of worst punishment we can imagine, is a place of hell, which is a fiery place. And sort of what we find ourselves in in these fires, it's it's absolutely the most um, frightening and overwhelming thing. And and yet firefighters um, do go in there and. Managed to save people and re- residents as well. You know, rose to the challenge and so many acts of incredible bravery and heroism and the most harrowing stories. You're right. I mean, I mean, there's so many stories of individual acts. You know. Um, A dozer driver whose windows were cracking it's not his job you know to go in there and move cars off a road but that's what the moment caused and he saved a huge number of uh, people another firefighter on the spot came up with the idea of breaking into a walkway. he couldn't evacuate people People were stuck in this giant traffic jam of of an incident and so he managed to break into a um, cinder block building and temporary shelter residents while the worst of the fire burn through and have the firefighters defend that building. And that's going to change firefighter tactics in these um, areas where you can't evacuate people as fast as you need to. We're going to need to rethink how, how to build communities that when fire comes through, people don't die on massive scale you know, the fire chief in paradise said, yes, we lost 85 people, but we thought we were going to lose thousands and thousands of people based on that incident. And it was really down to the um, responders and and residents. A lot of residents rose to the challenge, Um, but they went through hell and it's really traumatizing. And um, there were so many stories I could have even added into the movie, but the ones that are in there are really, really powerful.
0: I think there's 30,000 people in paradise and they were obviously tremendous risk. But that's that's the thing. I love meeting Brad Weldon. I think I have that yeah, that's right and his mom. And how how that's sort of that's sort of the opening for me in the film is you know, walking up and seeing his place. And we and we realize why that becomes more and more important over the course of the film and telling the story. But uh there are so many other elements that you bring in, and this is you know, get you kind of brought us in on this emotional level, and then you start to unfold and un- unpack just exactly the different things, we are in an age of fire. I don't know if it's officially that, we're in, we're in a, an, an age of possible extinction as well if we don't do something about it, but it, it, you start to pull these threads and one i had never heard, and I try to stay on top of these things, it's the story of, of uh, Red Emerson and and all of that stuff. I think that's act, that is for me breaking news. I don't know how many people know of that.
1: No, that's that's exactly right. Well, there's a fantastic report Forbes magazine reporter, Chloe Sorvino, and it was um, her story she wrote, uh, also caught my eye and it's fantastic reporting. But no, what was original reporting about the campfire, and I got very moved as a moment in the film where you actually, I put myself in the film a couple of times because I, I don't normally do that, but I felt like it was important. It just so happened that in this um, film, it seemed like the best way of explaining what was going on was actually to include me at a couple of points. And There's a point where I get very upset because I go to this place where the campfire began and I can see the whole landscape of the campfire burned through, in particular in the first four hours, because a lot of people died because it was just they could not escape. It came so quickly. And you realized why it came so quickly. And you realize that what the fire had burned through was a lot of it under the management of a logging company. And so at that time the Trump administration was calls, calling for more logging as a solution to these fires, uh, which intuitively, even to me, I mean, I'd been researching it, it, sounded pretty like right on. You know, let's get rid of these trees. They're obviously burning us down, right? Let's let's less fuel. That seems kind of sensible. Um, and yet when you understood the role that the logging had spread invasive species in these homogenous plantations where the fire raced through quickly and the kind of slash debris that they were leaving was actually probably a massive factor in why that fire burned faster than any other fire in California history that we know of, which was why it was so fatal, because people could not escape. They couldn't even get the evacuation warnings out in time. And, and so 85 people lost and I could see and I knew all the stories. I'd gone around talking to everybody. I could see where the lake was. I knew where that road was. I knew what had happened to that family there and the people in the car there and the people under the car there. And I knew all and where they found the bodies over there. I mean, I could see the stories because I'd spoken to so many people and driven around so much. And then to understand from that vantage point of where the fire began, where the fire had burned through, that it was logging company land and that nobody had told that story of all the factors people were focusing on, the orig- the obvious thing, which was the electric company whose equipment had begun the fire had right. sparked yeah. the blaze. And yet nobody had actually looked at these other factors. And it was, it was really kind of a moment of unique reporting, but also sort of outrage that it's easy to not see the big picture. And I think it's really important, you know, to go through and really assess very forensically what's actually going on in these fires. And that's sort of why I wanted to take people into the incidents and really see how they unfolded and include even those horrific scenes of what's going on. But I think that people get a really hopefully good grasp and they can, you can really see the clues. And one of the clues is really about that rapidity of how it spread. And how ferociously it spread and how it wasn't about firefighters not doing a good job defending these, that fire was so quick and so huge that there was no defending it that was just trying to save lives to get out of the way.
0: Mm. And
1: these are things I think that people don't quite understand. It's very hard to understand, especially if you come from a kind of urban place where that's not how fire behaves in a city, or for me coming from a temperate climate like Europe you know, that's not how far it behaves in a temperate climate either. So it was really interesting. There was so much I learned about this landscape of California where I've moved to as an immigrant
0: from Europe. There is so much here. Uh, The the topography of of California is, is so interesting and so unique in some ways. We're a Mediterranean climate, but our mountains are as close to the 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 shore as almost anywhere in the world is as, as big as they are as, as much as it in LA county you go from 6000 feet to sea level in less than 30 miles which is basically unheard of so if something happens in those mountains not only is the fire going to impact people's lives but the mudslides and all of the uh, all the other damage that comes along with it but that's for another discussion because there's so much in this movie, there's so much here about um, the fact that California does burn. This is, this is part of the, the life, going back to the original settlers, the Europeans who arrived here, who left because there was too much fire and then came back. There's just, there's this great, it's a great history and, and why California became the gold rush right i mean why all these there's so much i don't want to take not so to leave it leave it there but no thank so you no know, i
1: really appreciate it because i i felt I, I feel too that it's kind of for me it was packed with revelation after revelation and it like i felt the scales dropping from my eyes about the place i lived in and the story and the landscape and the history and how we got into this mess with fires or this danger that we're now in with fires was all about the history and the story of our living in this landscape And since um, Indigenous uh, people uh, were here before the Europeans, there's even a story that I found fascinating, which was when the very first boat from Europe sailed up to Los Angeles. It was on fire. And the first name they called um, this land was the Bay of Smoke. Um, the bio de, bio, bio de los Fumos in uh, Portuguese. And um, because it was on fire, and we don't know whether that fire was set deliberately by Native Americans, although we do know that Native Americans did deliberately set fire. And why? Because that was their way of controlling fire. If they set small fires, especially around set settlements, there were lots of advantages, including that a big fire would then not come along and burn down the settlements, as well as many other advantages for uh, hunting or ease of travel or um, seeing enemies or actually uh, a way of farming with the landscape because a lot of um, plants you know respond differently and you know to make certain baskets or to get certain um, foods you know that, that actually that they really were fire farmers and I thought that was absolutely fascinating and realizing that the Europeans who came to California really hadn't had that any awareness really that the Native Americans had a very sophisticated technology of working with the landscape with fire that was completely not seen or understood by the immigrants who, who came. And that we really blew that one in terms of gaining the wisdom, you know, that they had about living in this landscape. And made made this fatal error, you know, thinking of it as kind of like a Euro, little Europe or a faraway Europe, and not understand, understanding the, the different nature of uh, the landscape. Not to mention the way, of course, that they treated Native American people. Uh, but for me, for me, that history really came alive when you see it all playing out in this present that we're in.
0: We're talking with uh, director producer Lucy Walker. The film is Bring Your Own Brigade. It will be out on August 6th, yes. thank you. August And in 6th.
1: loads of cities in California, it's very exciting. Um, you know, uh, and loads of c- cities around the US, but in particular in California, yeah.
0: We've ignored the indigenous people around the world to our own peril. We Europeans, we have. The indigenous people have had the land figured out for a long time and we dismissed it. We wanted to conquer the land. There is a whole section of the film about American exceptionalism and it's going to kill us. Okay. It's either going to kill us by fire or some war or some disease because we're exceptional. We don't have to do things like everyone else does. And that's that's part of it. Climate, climate change, deny it if you want. But there there are all sorts of things in this film that are it's in the mix. We are in some ways, Lucy, I hate to say it this way, if we don't figure this out we're literally running towards a cliff. I feel like as a species, we are running as fast as we can to get to that the edge of that cliff.
1: I think that's right, and it was interesting. You know, when I began the film, I'd actually thought that I was gonna make a film that, that really was pretty much about something that climate change was affecting. Not exactly a climate change film, I'm not really a kind of activist, environmental kind of filmmaker. I'm more of a narrative character driven cinema snob, want to be ambitious cinematically, push the wonderful medium of documentary making to the next level. You know, that's my sort of ambition is coming out of a sort of cinema directing, you know, um, ambition. But what I'm really interested in is how we live, I think, as humans and the stories and and how we live with each other and our communities and our environment. And um, I did think that climate change was the big factor driving these fires. And I did think that that would be the answer. I didn't really think there was any debate about that. I thought it seemed pretty obvious that we'd have these um, record-breakingly hottest fires and these record breaking hot record breakingly hottest years and these record-breakingly worst fires and they were all getting worse. And that's what I thought the, the simple thing was. So I kind of thought that this film and looking at fires would be looking at how climate change was making our, you know, lives worse. And this was going to be kind of my climate change film, so to speak. And actually it was only when I got into it I was really humbled to understand that actually that was my misunderstanding. And I had to go deeper than that, as I think we're asking people to go deeper, uh, you know, who were on the front lines. And it was really interesting for me to meet people most affected by these fires who didn't really follow the science of climate change. And I think, but they're actually also going deeper. So for me, it was really interesting to kind of get out of the bubble of my own urban climate change, sort of sophisticated, you know, um, intellectual left-leaning type uh, neighbors and actually out and, and into different um, areas where which had quite different beliefs and to, for us all to be quite challenged to kind of dig a little deeper and converse a little bit better across our differences. But actually to understand that maybe the film is really more about climate change than I could ever have anticipated because ultimately the film becomes about how we know what the problems are, we know what the solutions are, but we're not getting it together to implement them. And you see that as we keep following the story because I didn't want to miss anything so i kept following the story and following these characters uh, even after the fire stopped and sort of saw how the building codes and the rebuilding was actually part of the problem we're not uh, finding it easy to 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 have difficult conversations about how we need to come together and do things a little bit differently to be much safer together even the people who are most on the front lines and you know this dixie fire that's burning right now it it started right next to the campfire and it's another fire that's burning right there and and these fires are going to keep burning and threatening the same communities over and over again and are we able to get it together to make decisions as a community as a collective and i and i thought that it became for me a really interesting take on the climate change problem to understand how difficult it is for us to come together to do things differently. Human beings, and you know, we're we're, we kind of like the things that are right in front of us or the things that are going to happen on Tuesday. Things that might happen one of these summers, we're not very good at dealing with and things that we have to kind of pay for that might or might not have any vague advantage. It's a very difficult sell when everyone feels that they're really struggling. And so I thought that was really illuminating to see that play out. And it wasn't something I was expecting at all, but I like making documentaries where you just fold the story and it takes you places that you hadn't expected. For me, that's a good test that you're doing a good job and that you don't, because you know how you shouldn't have the answers at the beginning, right? You should, as you learn, as you get in there, see more and understand more. And, And I really did making this film.
0: I don't know if it's our species, but we're, we're sort of wired for what's immediately in front of us. And we don't as, as we don't look further down the road. This may go back to the time when we were struggling to get out of the caves. I don't know. But, you know, I, there's something we have not. Plus, you factor in money, you factor in big money interest. And one of the things that's in here that, in my opinion, is important is real estate. You know, it's a huge industry that's completely unregulated and everyone wants to build on a hilltop. Everyone wants to build in a canyon. Everyone wants to build, you know, in these places that are scenic and beautiful. Who wouldn't? At the same time, nobody wants to held, be held accountable. And you, someone says so in the film. No one's accountable. And one person did say something that my, in my time in public service, always I always thought about as something that would be important, a regional plan. And and there is actually a regional planning office in C- LA County, and there's one in Orange County, and there's one everywhere, and yet they never seem to be planning regionally, other than roadways. You yes, they account for roadways and traffic mitigation, but beyond that, it's it's that's it's a wild west. Otherwise, no one no one is really looking at these big picture issues. And
1: that's yeah. there's an interesting factoid about. Uh, Paradise is the largest municipality without the sewer system, and that image of us not getting it together to to take care of our own shit, even, so to speak, (laughs) if I may say so. Um, But the same thing, yeah, with the regional planning and understanding that these places that burn the whole time, are they the places to put mansions with enormous amounts of uh, expensive objects that we then need to protect and ensure and realizing that the insurance, you know, industry is now going to be putting the brakes on the situation because they're stopping to insure these homes, and so it's going to be the very rich people who can afford to lose everything or can afford their own private firefighters that are going to be protected. And, and realizing the extent to which, as with so many of these disasters, it's it's really um, it's going to be really tough for all but the mega wealthy to survive.
0: I used to think that the insurance companies would band together to help mitigate climate change because this is going to cost them a lot of money, right? You would think that they would have a vested interest, but they're pushing it off into the, into the public realm to pay for this stuff. So they're not really going to be held accountable or not going to be held financially accountable. So we really have to get our shit together. Uh, and, um, and thank you so much, Lucy Walker. I'm so I'm, It's always a, an honor and a thrill to talk with you. We, we've You've been on for The Crash Reel, Wasteland, Countdown to Zero, which I absolutely love, and The Tsunami and The Cherry Blossom. And, and this Bring Your Own Brigade is just a fantastic documentary. Awesome. Oh,
1: yes. So kind of, I love it. Well, we weren't on Zoom ever before.
0: This no, is one of a, the times. <laughs> this is true. Well, thank you so much. I know it's a busy day for you, and I'll let you go. But thank you so much. Come back. Thank in- you.
1: I really appreciate it. All
0: right. Thank you. Take care. Great. Thanks. Bye.